All right, uh, welcome to the Eric J. The Great Podcast Show. Got a special guest on the show today, an R&B artist slash actor, DJ The Singer. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? How's it going? Uh, it's going all right, man. Just another day in paradise, man. <laughs> it's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to start off by playing a little song, and then after that, we'll get into the uh, the interview. Uh, it's not like a plan. I've been feeling lonely. Who gon' bust that glass for me when my eyes be roaming? Who gon' take them shots for me when my guard be open? And I don't want no apologies, I don't need no closure. That's why I'm always loaded, steady, steady rolling. I just bought a black man back and I took off. I just swung that van back round and knocked them off. I was sipping on that tech, but cops some raw. I put the hood shade on my back, I gave my all. Hey, no, my niggas got my back, no shit especially. Hey. And I was way before I started doing melodies. Told my mom, he catch me slipping, just gonna do me in. Cause the phone kept for him, why would he care for me? That shit got me moving, sliding carefully. Too many times I could've died, but you was there for me. Said I'm getting old next year, I'm 23 And I feel like LeBron, but I won't leave my heat And anybody feeling pain, I know they feeling me Across the game for a little change, can't call you family like, what the fuck is you can to me? You know it's bad when your friends turn to your enemies You know it's bad when they crush it out just for Tennessee You know it's bad, I know a killer, he take Perkins and take Hennessy I've for a drill Shout out to uh, Benzo and uh, shout out to my uh, guy man, uh, platinum selling artist, uh, Vore. That's lit. I was like, I gotta get on that. Put me on the remix. <laughs> yeah. So uh, first off, we'll just start from the beginning, man, and work our way up. So uh, first off, just tell the people where you're from and uh, how old are you? Well, my name is DJ The Singer, originally from Athens, Georgia. Um, I've been in Atlanta roughly 12 years, came here for a record deal. And um, I'm here, as you said earlier, singer-songwriter. I'm on the cast of a YouTube reality series called On The Way Up Atlanta. And um, just making my way through, making my way through Atlanta, this thing called the music industry. And um, trying to make something, trying to make something out of nothing. Absolutely, man. Everybody start from somewhere. So uh, when you hear your hometown, man, when you hear the A, man, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? When I hear of Athens, I think the Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first thing that comes to mind, Georgia Bulldogs. Um, that's all I know. I'm trying to think. What else? I think of R.E.M., uh, the band R.E.M. is from there. I think Bubba Sparks, he's from Athens. So those are just a few few things that come to mind okay so for anybody that never been to athens uh i'm gonna take it back to your childhood just uh okay. just kind of um describe how it was growing up in athens every day you know african-american kid you know some of the struggles and things you have to endure as a child a teenager and uh two-parent household siblings things like that um, I came up in a two-parent household. My mom was a school teacher uh, turned assistant principal. My father worked for the university, and he was a deacon turned preacher. And um, 
my parents were very strict. I had a I had a wonderful childhood. Um, I didn't have anything necessarily traumatic, um, but I, I I lived a pretty normal childhood. I was in church a lot. Um, church was was the centerfold of everything, and so um, it was Bible study on Tuesday, fire rehearsal Wednesday, Saturday, and you're in church on Sunday. On occasion, you have an afternoon program. Um, my father was more secular. My mom was more church. Um, so I kind of got best of both worlds. Okay. So um, you just had a normal childhood, you know, yeah, my, able I, household, things like that? Yeah, just my brother and I. Um, I was more invested in music. Um, that was my thing. That was my go-to. That was my escape. And um, I would write my, I remember as a child, I would write my parents letters because I felt like they never listened to me. Mm -hmm. So um, that's where my love for songwriting came from. Um, that was my means of of communication. If I couldn't say anything else um, verbally, or if I couldn't find the words verbally, I could definitely write it down. Okay. So um, I know you say you got into songwriting early as a kid. Uh, besides that, uh, was you into any other activities as a kid? Did you play sports, choir, anything like that? Oh, um, I was in every choir you could probably think of. I was in the band and in the orchestra. Um, I danced a little bit. Um, I did take acting classes. I took modeling classes, but I was not athletic at all. I wish I had though. Um, cause now I can't stay out of the gym, but, um, no, I wasn't, uh, athletic at all. And I mean, I did, nor like I said, normal, normal kid stuff. I was at the park, uh, with my friends. I was, you know, we would meet up in the middle of the street and ride bikes up and down the block. Um, before you know it, you've been all over downtown. Um, what else? skating rink that type of stuff meet up at Dairy Queen on Friday uh that was the vibe so I, I lived a pretty pretty fun childhood these kids these days don't know what fun is <laughs> I never thought I'd be the one to say that but they don't know what fun is yeah man I remember those uh nights man when I was in uh middle school in uh Alabama where I'm from uh they used to have a dollar skate nights and you know, yeah, it was pressure on you when you got around your cousins because everybody knew how to skate. So I ain't on you know, skate. skate. But you had to learn how to skate because everybody used to go there on Saturdays and the two dollar nights on during the week. So you had to know how to skate because if not, they were gonna clown you. <laughs> they were gonna. I don't skate anymore now. I'm too afraid that I'll fall and bust my ass. But yeah. I feel that. So as far as the music business and, um, you know, uh, reality TV, you know, acting, things like that, uh, did you have anyone in your family or in your close circle that uh, that was involved in those businesses? Um, or are you the first one to go down that route? So I have cousins in that business um believe it or not gorilla zo is my cousin um i also um am related to ashley l who was on college hill atlanta um she's recently been in the news for having a, a kid with lucky day but um she is my cousin and um other than that uh i'm sure i've had some other family members uh in the business go down that path but for me uh, i think i'm the one more recently that's been just hitting it hard and um really trying to make it the career path or make or make it the thing um where I don't have to have a nine to five. 
you know, absolutely. So what would you say is that one thing that really led you to doing music? The one thing that really led me to doing my own music, um, I always wanted to sing. That was that was my thing as a child. I always wanted to sing. Um, whenever anyone would ask me what I was going to do when I became an adult, it was always, I'm going to be a singer first. And they were just like, you need something realistic. And I was like, well, it's real to me. Uh, <laughs> so that was my thing. But um, even now, um, I think my reasoning is still the same. Um, I was in a, I was in a bad relationship and I didn't have an outlet. I didn't know what therapy was at that time. Um, and I didn't feel like, I didn't feel comfortable talking to my family about it. Um, didn't feel comfortable talking to my family about it. Didn't feel comfortable talking to my friends about it. Cause you know, your friends will always tell you, y'all need to, you know, y'all don't need to be together because of whatever, like those are your friends. They're going to tell you the truth. Um, if they're your real friends, they'll tell you the truth. And, um, yeah, that's how I started. That's that's how I started. And I think because even though I'm not in a bad relationship now, um, I think there are so many people that are in them. Um, and I think my music helps those people. Uh, well, I know my music helps those people based on what I've been told. Um, but even if I'm not singing from the perspective of someone in a bad relationship, it's real life, the things that I sing about. And um, I'm never going to sing about something that I can't relate to. And my thing is, I always want to be authentic and, and I always want to make sure that whatever it is I'm singing about translates to who's listening. Um, and so I think those things, you know, if, if maintained, those things can definitely, or, or, or those things are the things that draw in a certain audience and captivate and hold a certain audience. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So who was some of your favorite music artists growing up? Who you who did you uh, like listening to? I loved everybody. Um, honestly, I really did. It was like everything that came in my ears was like, ah. um, but I really <laughs> I really loved um I really loved Parliament. George Clinton, um, George Clinton, Bootsy Collins, that whole that whole thing. It was just the it was an era by itself. Um, I really enjoyed Mary J. Blige. Um, Mary J. Blige and uh, Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston. Um, but I also loved Luther. Um, still do love Luther. Luther could do things with his voice that no other male artist could. Um, and I love Stevie. Stevie was another favorite of mine. You know, that's what's up. So as far as your artist name, uh, is DJ's part of your real name or what are you, where does your artist name come from? So I actually did radio for six years. I have a background in radio and um, they never called me. <laughs> I went through a few different phases and a few different names on the radio, but they never called me DJ anything. It was always DJ, come do this. Hey, DJ, come down the hall, you know, whatever that type of stuff. Um, or DJ, clear the hall, you know, those things. So um, it just kind of stuck. I had a dream and I saw my face on an album. It was my album, the day before my album was supposed to come out, I was in Times Square and, um, had this dream, was standing there, saw my album cover and it just kind of took and stuck and we ran from there. Absolutely. So, so I take, you take it. <laughs> that's what he does. <laughs> So take me back to that time when you first went to a recording studio and recorded for the first time. Was it kind of was it kind of easy for you to pick up or was it kind of a rough patch at first? 
So the first time I went and recorded a song, I remember the song. It's actually on YouTube. Do not go pull it up. It's trash. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the song is called Karma, and I did it over Monica's So Gone, the instrumental. And it was real basic. It was a real, real basic one-two. Um, I don't even remember the person that I was singing about. I just remember just being really upset about it. And I, and now that I think about it, I do remember who I wrote it about and that person, we love everybody. But um, I just remember I was just in a really bad place. I was in a really bad place and I was just like, what you do is going to come back on you. What goes around comes back around. You can't just, you can't just shit on good people. So that was the gist of the song, but the song's called Karma. Woo, woo, woo. It's on YouTube. You don't have to go pull it up. But uh, first time, like I said, it was, I, it came natural to me, but it was, I've learned a lot. We'll just say that a lot of the earlier recordings are just that early recordings and they're rough <laughs> they're early and they're rough but um you definitely hear the growth over time but I, I my first time it, it came natural I was afraid um but I was also a lot more open to experimenting I it didn't have everything didn't have to be in a set formula everything didn't have to be so perfect um and at that time, you, we still got real vocals. So I was really kind of able to do things and try things and, you know, experiment with different tones and stuff. Whereas now everything and everybody um, is really laid back and subdued. And so just trying to come through that, even at that time, uh, even though it was fun, it was still, to some extent, it was still new territory. Okay. So as far as your recording process, are you more of a writer or do you punch in or how does that go? So my process is very simple. If I hear something that I like, I'm horrible at writing in the studio. I cannot. I mean, I'm, I am I can, but it just, I just, I, I like to think about my stuff before I put it out and I'm very meticulous. So um, while I can write in the studio, there's a song on my album called Thinking With My Head and I wrote that in the session. Um, but I typically write at home and, uh, my process is very simple. Like I said, I typically have a glass of wine or, you know, some Kool-Aid or something and I'm chilling out and I'll just vibe with it. Sometimes a song can come to me and I can complete it within 25 to 30 minutes if I'm really in it. Um, or you can have a situation like what I'm having right now, where you've written five different versions of one song, um, and all five different versions have different storylines. And it's like, you're trying to pull from one to put with another one to see if it flows. And sometimes it just, it just doesn't work. Um, so, but once I have a, once I have the, the, the skeleton of what I want, I'll go in the studio with it and I'll lay it down. And, um, I'll lay it down. I'll do a draft. I'll ride around with it for a few weeks and then I'll make my notes in those few weeks. I'll go back and I'll add in and take out. And typically within that time frame, I ha I have what I want. Okay. So uh, what, what would you say was the point in your life when you really had the confidence to know you could uh, pursue music? When I was grown. <laughs> I was when I was grown um when I was growing up that was a if you remember the scene in Sister Act 2 where Cheryl Lee where Cheryl Lee Ralph says to Lauren Hill singing does not 
paid the bills. Singing does not put food on the table. Singing is no guarantee to a future, even if you have talent. That was my real life. And that's that's what I live. And so I didn't believe that I could until I was grown. Um, and just seeing people react to the songs that I was writing at that time, that gave me the confidence and the and the insight and the and the know-how um, and the desire to even want to learn the business so that I could um, do music full time. Absolutely. Uh, so as far as your music situation, uh, are you independent or you got a distribution deal or how, how is that? No, I'm solely independent. Um, I am currently looking at options, but as of right now, I'm solely independent and I like it that way. I like it that way. Um, I don't have to, there's not necessarily a middleman. Um, I don't have anybody telling me what I can and cannot sing about. Um, it gets in the way of the art, if you ask me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see, I can see that perspective. Uh, would you sign to a, a major if it made sense? If it made sense. If it made sense and if it was to my benefit, then yes. Okay. So Yeah, uh, but it would have to be to my benefit. Yeah, yeah, got to make sense, man. So It's uh, got to make sense and it's got to make sense. <laughs> so as far as, so uh, I know... Um, for any artist, when you put music out publicly for the first time, that could be a very big deal because, you know, you had, you know, all your friends and family listen to it. But it's different when people that you don't know get to hear it for that first time. So when you dropped your first project, just take me back to that time. How was the city embracing you when it was able to hear your music for the first time? So when I put out my very first project, um, there were a few things happening at that time. I was signed to an independent label, um, if that's what we're going to call that. And um, it just wasn't a good time. It wasn't a good time. Um, I wasn't getting any funding. I wasn't getting any push. I wasn't getting any, I, I wasn't getting any looks. And so that first project, while I wrote maybe... 50% of it, give or take. Um, it just wasn't, it, it wasn't 100% me. Like I said, I didn't have any label support. I didn't have anything. Um, so that was 100%. It was just something to put music out. And I feel like had I been more strategic in the very beginning, I might've had a better turnout. Um, was I nervous? Yes, because like I said, being a preacher's kid, you're, you're held to a certain standard. And I don't think, because people knew me as a church boy and they knew me as, as, as the church kid, the one that was, you would call me to sing at your, at your granddaddy's funeral. You would call me to do revival. You would call me, you know, for, for the youth summit, you know, that, those were the things, you know, that they knew me for. They didn't know me for doing R&B. They didn't know me, you know, for, for singing songs about smoking weed and, 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 fucking in the woods and and telling you know my ex if you want to be single go do that you know for a set person at the time you know if you want to be single go do that you know so I think it was a whole I think it was a shock to some to others I think it might have been a what is he doing you know some people I don't think they cared um <laughs> I don't think they cared. Some people might have thought I was I was just doing it just for fun. 
Um, but I was I was serious about that thing. And I want to say maybe six months after that mixtape, I came out with a full project, which I actually want to take some of the songs and redo them. Because I've really, I, I really see the potential. I was onto something at that time. I was really onto something, um, and so lately I've been trying to get back to that that space of creation. Um, it was a lot more free. It, it wasn't as structured as it is now. Okay, I can feel that. So, uh, have you done any shows yet? And uh, if so, uh, what's the biggest show you've done so far? Um, I do shows all the time, uh, but I will say the, uh, or a few highlights that I've had. Um, I was an opener for, I've been an opener for Case. Um, I've opened for B. Slade, who the majority of us know as the gospel singer Tone. Um, I've also opened for Selena Johnson. Um, I have done things with K. Michelle, um, SWV, just to name a few. So um, those are some highlights in, in my performance resume. Yeah, that's pretty dope. Thank so you. As far, so as far as the music scene, everybody in Georgia knows about the music scene in Atlanta, but I never heard about Athens. So describe yeah. the scene in Athens <laughs> and uh, describe some of the artists around there. Do they collab or how does that go? You know, everybody mind their business, you know. So I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't really like. I know maybe one or two artists in Athens now, but when I was doing music in Athens, like you had, it was a whole thing. It was a whole underground thing, and I really hate that a lot of people missed out on it. Um, you had Young Bean. You had um, like the Migos are from Athens, uh, believe it or not. Um, who else? Uh, Cassie Chantel. She goes by. Um, I think she goes by Cash Chantel now, but um, who else was around at that time? You had Impact Records, you had, oh God, I can't even call everybody, RDS, Lil Red, uh, gosh, you're taking me back, Dictator, Ant the Ruler, um, uh, yeah, Elite the Showstopper, those people, um, and so it was it was a whole movement at that time. It was a whole movement at that time. And and I felt like because of what I did, I was what one of how many male singers that did R and B for real like who really for real could sing. Like not your not your local hood boy that just, you know, whose name is Joe and he can just so happen to carry one or two notes or whatever. And he ends up being the Nate dog on the record. No shade to Nate dog, but I'm just saying like, not that dude, but I'm talking about like the dudes who really could just flat foot sing. It was very few. And I just felt like I stood out at that time just because that's what I did. I sang about real things. I wasn't out here pretending like I was in love and I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing, the thing is too, uh, I'm glad that you um, in the genre of music because I come across a lot of hip hop artists. I probably only you probably the second or third R&B artist or different kind of artist or different genre. And, I, you know, now we got the OGs that's still doing their thing, like Mary J's, the, you know, the Osley Brothers, New Edition, all them people. But they getting old now, and it's like, you know, the R&B, 
it's kind of died down. If you are talking about Chris Brown or yeah. whenever, whenever, whenever Drake want to get in the mood and do some R and B stuff, we really ain't got no R and B artists like that. Like you know, so I feel like you know, I feel like in the next ten years, like how hip hop don't took off in all these different cities. Like mm-hmm. R&B got to have a little run at some point where a lot of artists start emerging from these different places around the country and and start making a name for themselves because it's been kind of dead for a while as far as not as far as like us being able to listen to R&B music, but just new people coming on the scene as far as because we keep seeing the same people just, you know, they'll take a break and they'll start back putting out music again. You know what I'm saying? So. I would love to see a renaissance, um, not just for R&B, but for real R&B musician. I mean, and that's no disrespect to anybody that's out now, but these new people that are doing R&B, if you put them next to, I don't even care if we're talking current day Mariah Carey, I mean, would easily sing them under a bus. They're not, it's not music anymore. They're not singing anymore. You know, it's it's cute. It's cute, but I'm not gonna there's certain songs that I'm just so do you remember like there was that era of music? Like we'll even like I'll just take you back. We'll just go to 05, like 0405. And like you remember, like you literally could cut could cut on the radio and it was like Mariah Carey's We Belong Together. It was Burn by Usher. It was Be Without You by Mary J. Blige. It was what was out like I think Keisha Cole had like maybe two songs on the radio at the time. Like it was a thing, and like you really felt the music. I don't feel the music now. That's what I miss about R and B. If, if we're just gonna be honest, that's what I miss about R and B. I miss the feeling in it. Um, well, I think, well, I think now everybody's so quick to put out a trend. And uh, once they get a following and get some money, that that they miss the origins of real, even in hip hop now, like and uh, music in general. People connected with the, the the legends like Tupac, Biggie, the Mary J's, Mary Mariah Carey's, Ashanti's, and things like that because not because they was talented because everybody has talent now. It's just because they made themselves vulnerable enough to where you you felt it in your spirit. Like I tell people all the time, like if I listen to a song, especially an R&B song, if I don't feel it in the first 30 seconds to a minute that the song been on, then it ain't for me. Like like, yeah. like when you hear somebody's voice, you can tell if it's authentic or not because you can't fake that energy. You, you know? cannot fake it. And that's one thing that I I just miss about R and B. I miss the I miss the authenticity in it. I miss the honesty in the music. Um, even for me, I get a lot of flag for being too emotional, so to speak, in my music. I had a um I had a meeting with a manager, and he was just like, "Your music's good, but you're too emotional. How can I market that? And you're a male singer. It doesn't make sense." And I'm like, "We're in hell now." Like, because literally, so you're basically telling me I have to put out music that I can't feel and nobody else can either. That's <laughs> hell. We are in hell. Like, there is, if you can't feel it, what are you, what are you doing it for? What are you doing it for? You're doing yourself a disservice. You're doing your craft or the craft a disservice. Absolutely. So uh, what's some artists you work with so far and what's some artists you want to work with in the future? Mm, okay so independently i really do not 
do too many. I don't do a lot of features, to be totally honest. Um, I want to do more. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I have a record on all platforms called Fuck Nigga uh, with Sammy Austin. It is the it was intended to be the lead single off of our project, but I just put it out um, for the fans. Um, is it like I said? It's a different. It's a different vibe for me artistically. Um, I also have a record. I, br I brought it up earlier, but it's called Thinking With My Head. Um, it's with a rapper out of Atlanta, uh, Retro, Retro Haiti. Um, so the record is called Thinking With My Head. You guys will hear that very soon. And um, as of right now, off the top of my head, that's, that's all I can think of. Um, I have some stuff coming. Uh, there's a record that we redid now that I think about it. Um, I did with a couple of my cast members on this season of On The Way Up Atlanta. And um, you guys will hear that later on in the season. Okay. So uh, what would you say is your most successful project so far? Ooh, my most successful project so far, uh, it would definitely be this record called Colors. Um, it was a 10-track EP. I put out. I put it out in 2013, and it was... 2013 was a great era also because that was the era literally everybody had a mixtape. Like, you could go on that Piff, Concrete Loop, uh, the singer's room, boss up, and just download a mixtape and be good to roll. That was when everybody was giving out free music. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I think that that attributed to the success of it. It was free, and um, creatively, I was I was just I was in a different place creatively. I was I was living out loud in every form and fashion of the word. Um, just a very it was a very colorful time, very colorful time, and. Um, that was my most successful one. Um, that record got over 50,000 downloads on one of those websites. But uh, I have the record, I have the record, but 50,000 downloads uh, of that one mixtape. That uh, mixtape got a lot of attention. Okay, that's what's up. So we're gonna transition out of the music film and we're gonna go to the reality TV show uh, on the way up Atlanta. So we're gonna start from the beginning. Um, being in any type of acting, whether it's a TV show, mm -hmm. uh, be, uh, sit, uh, movie from the outside looking in, you know, me observing, you know, people working in that realm can be very uh, stressful because you have to master certain roles and you can be, get consumed with the character at times you know, not being able to turn it on and off as far as like, you know, navigating through your personal life and things like that. So uh, we could start from the beginning, you know, uh, kind of uh, tell me how, how did it come about? And also, you know, what time frame it was when it came about, because uh, obviously you was already doing music at the time. So <laughs> when, when did that come about that you thought about getting into that type of uh, area work so with my film resume um i've done some extra work uh you may see me in a background or two um on an episode or two or three of love and hip-hop atlanta um in addition to that um we, i also did a scripted series um it was never released we were literally at the door of netflix and it just never happened but the series is called planet venus um it was a comedy you guys would have loved it. Um, but um, how I got into reality, I've always wanted to do a reality show. I started vlogging during the pandemic and I was on my way 
to Dallas, Texas. And I was in the car and uh, the producer of the show called me and was like, hey, how do you feel about doing this season of On the Way of Atlanta? And I was like, hmm, let's do it. Um, with this particular series, I did a few cameo spots, season one and season two. Um, but season three, they decided to bring me on as a full-time cast member. And um, I love it. I loved it. Uh, the experience of, of a camera following you and, and getting intimate moments of your day-to-day, -day, I absolutely loved it. Um, I think the part that's most annoying more than anything is when people are able to create their own narrative about a situation that they only got a five minute peek into. It's like, you weren't even there. Yeah. <laughs> like, how are you gonna, how are you gonna tell me what kind of friend I am? You, how are you gonna tell me I'm annoying? And you, like, you're watching five minutes of a 45 minute conversation, please get your life. So, but I love it. I will say, you know, in that, those type of situations that people that do do that, I will, I will take it as a positive thing because you know, you know that they don't know the real thing, but but they're they're keeping up with it because it's something that they obviously enjoy looking at or taking the time out to watch in their spare time. So, you know, I I won't get too down about people like that because I'm like, shoot, obviously they're supporting and they like what they see, so they just throwing bait out there. You know what I'm saying? I don't these internet thugs any attention these are homeless kids that live in someone's basement and watch hamster porn and you know i just i pray for people like that you know they, they they're just miserable and you know they get online and they say all kinds of mean things about you but the truth of the matter is you love me and you're still gonna come back and see me next week so you're a fan <laughs> you're a fan that's that's how you have to handle those people so when they approach you about the show, how many seasons were they in? Were they or uh, and um, did you come in on a second season or? They were gearing up for season three. Um, season three is currently um, right now. Um, we are literally at the beginning of the season. We are three episodes in, coming up on four, and. Um, I had cameos on season one. They brought me on. Literally, they met me at a birthday dinner. I was at a separate birthday dinner, but they were taping a birthday dinner. And they needed somebody to sing happy birthday. And because I'm the king of everything musical. No, I'm kidding. Um, but because I, I was like, oh, I can sing. I went and sang happy birthday. And that is how I met production initially. Um, for season two, well, no, I take that back. I was supposed to come on at the very end of season one. Um, but because they thought I was too much like another cast member, they were just like, we're just going to wait, wait it out. Season two, you had me on. I was um, working in the studio with another cast member. And after that, they were just like, let's see what season three is given. So season three came around at the right time. I was in the studio. I was maybe halfway um, or three quarters of the way through my album. And um, I was just like, this would be perfect for them to get. Um, <laughs> this footage would be perfect for them to get. Okay. So, you know, anything that you get into is an adjustment. So when you first get into this area of work, what's something that caught you off guard that you wasn't expecting when you started doing this consistently with the reality TV? Well, something that caught me off guard, um, a couple of things, how vulnerable I was um, and how open I was to share, because I'm very private. I don't like to 
I don't like to let people in. Um, I just feel like when you let people get a little too close to you, they hurt you. Um, so I'm very private, very guarded. But outside of my vulnerability, I was taken aback at how how easy it was for me to give emotion. There's a very intimate scene um, where I go see my father's grave for the first, I go visit his grave for the first time since he passed. And um, just how vulnerable I was during that particular scene, y'all really see a different side of me. Y'all see me crying and just snot everywhere. It's really, it's really emotional, but it, it really is just very telling of who I am um, as an individual. I care a lot. Uh, and I'm very, just a very in, in tune with my feelings. Uh, I'm very in tune with my feelings and very big on vibes and energy. I pick up on things. Um, so y'all will really see, y'all will really get to get into who I am as a person. Y'all know DJ the singer. Y'all don't know Melvin. Those are two totally different people. <laughs> Absolutely. So for anybody that never seen the TV show before and they stumble across it, you know, in your own words, just describe like what's the goal of the show what are y'all trying to put out to the people you know what's the the purpose you know of you know putting things out the episodes and things like that so basically the show is about eight different individuals and just our different journeys in our individual in our own individual fields um that's pretty much the gist of the show you're gonna see everybody working in their respective field just trying to get to their own or reaching their own personal goals while we all reach a common goal as a group um and like i said you see the ups downs drama and all therein and um it's a ride it's an emotional ride but it it definitely will will keep you keep you keep keep your attention if nothing else um and definitely keep you on your toes for the next episode at least i've been as a fan first okay so um as far as like the longevity of it how uh, how long do y'all expect to uh to keep the show going i'm gonna be honest with you um i personally would love to see the show run on forever and ever um, but all good things must come to an end and i'm gonna be totally honest um that would be a, a question that would be more so for production um because if it was left up to them i'm sure this would be the last season um but i think this season's too good i think this season is too good uh for them not to do additional seasons afterwards um i always I always say that season one um was the appetizer season two was the pre-show and this is the main event and not just because i'm on it but because i'm on it uh so it's a it's a it's a pretty lit season okay so I know that uh, when I had talked to you earlier uh, before we did the interview and things like that, um, you were saying that you know, you're trying to get picked. Y'all, you guys are trying to get picked up by a network as far yeah. as think, things like that. So um, have y'all? How how's that process been going? Have people have been reaching out to y'all production team and things like that, or y'all just focus on just? We just gonna keep building a platform to the point where you know somebody gonna have to come see us eventually. You know, as far as I know, nobody has said anything. Um, but at the same time, I also know that as a independent company, for lack of better words, we're still building. And I say we just you know us as a cast and production as a as a whole, um, we're still building. And so you know maybe right now may not be the time. 
Um, I wouldn't be opposed um, if a network did pick the show up. You know, I do think, you know, there's always, um, you know, there are always areas for improvement in any in any capacity. Um, so we can bring it to a bigger audience, um, you know, and, and take it to the next level about why not? Whoever you know, send them your send them my way. <laughs> so what's the feedback have you uh, been getting um, on the show, like how people been reacting to, it, especially since you're on it full time now and not uh, just popping in and out like how you were before. You know, um, as overall, the the response has been very positive. Um, for me individually, uh, I think people see me as the comedic relief. Um, they also see me as the real individual. Well, this is I can tell you, our show 100 is not scripted. This I wish it was in certain capacities, but um, there's nothing scripted about our show. Everything that happened is exactly how it happened. Um, and it, it's just raw. If you enjoyed, you know, shows like The Real World, um, even The Flavor of Love, um, this is right in that vein. It's, it's very raw and very real. Um, and, and, and ultimately, you really get to see the real behind, you know, these people's lives. Um, like I said, for me, they see me as the comedic relief. I'm just to the point and I, I just live my life. But the mistakes, the ups, the downs, and all of it. You, I give it to you. I, I give it to you just how it is. Um, I don't know any other way. Oh yeah, yeah. I, um, reality TV. You know, I like reality TV. You know, I got into uh, love and hip hop a couple years ago, and I uh, my whole thing. You know, some of my buddies and stuff. They be like, "Man, why are you watching that stuff?" And I be like, "Man, I love looking at drama. That ain't got nothing to do with me." So uh, <laughs> we share drama on our show. It was this season was a lot, and I was there for a good bit of it. But uh, it it was a lot. But you're you're really gonna see, um, you're gonna see a lot this season. I'll just tell you there is an altercation on the next episode for the first time in on the way up Atlanta history, and it wasn't me. But I felt a way. I felt some type of way. I thought I started it, but production said I didn't. So, cool. I'm in the clear. <laughs> but it's it, you. You just have to watch it. You have you have to go if you haven't seen it. You have to go back to episode one and just see how we got here. It'll make a lot more sense. Okay. Yeah, man. So, like, as far as uh the show and things like that, and your role in the show. Are you comfortable with the roles that you've been asked to play? Like, is it something that come natural to you, or is it just something that you that you just uh, doing until you can find something that better fits you? You know. So this is because this is reality TV. This is my real life. Um, this is my real life, and what you see is what you get. Um, so I know some people came in front of this camera perpetrating and pretending, but I just I I don't know how to do that. Um, I don't know how to be anything else or or give you anything else other than other than me. So, like I said, some stuff I may say it, it may come across improper or shady to y'all, but this is how I carry in my day to day. So, okay, <laughs> oh, wow. I'm very comfortable, <laughs> very very comfortable. Sometimes I thought I was a little too comfortable in front of that camera. So, um. As far as the first three seasons, are y'all keeping the same cast? Are y'all dropping people? And uh, and also, uh, 
do y'all plan on doing reunions like similar to other shows where y'all bring people back and y'all be in one area or how y'all gonna do it go by doing that <laughs> so they've done reunions for the last two seasons this season yes there will be a, a reunion contrary to popular belief there will be a reunion and um I don't know what the theme is. I don't know anything about this reunion and probably won't know anything until maybe two or three weeks beforehand. Um, but as far as this cast, this is the most diverse um, from the other two. The uh, Let's see, season one was, you had your six, I believe. Season two, I want to say doubled to 12 people. And then this season, we have a whole new cast. You only have maybe two. You have two members from season two and then one from uh, the original cast um, that's left over this season. Everybody else is new. So you're having to learn new people, um, more or, or the most new people in, in season three. And that's crazy that you only have one person from when it started. That's a lot of turnover rate. Is it? Is it because... <laughs> They want new faces, or is it because people just didn't work out? Because I I have to imagine that, you know, the people that was that started at the beginning, you know, uh, and people that started following the show at the beginning got attached to certain people. So mm -hmm. I don't know if they plan to bring those people back or or they just done. For some people, they I know there's a there's a girl that was on season one. I know she moved away. Um, she moved away, had a baby. You know, she she lives a whole new life. Um, you know, and I don't I don't know if she wants to be a part of reality more. Um, I know some people left for you know their own mental health, um, and then you have others that left for other reasons you know it just it everybody's reasoning was was valid but um some people just fell out of love with reality tv oh yeah you have to have thick skin to do reality tv i'm i'm learning that you know i thought i thought my skin was thick but it is but in certain areas it's 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 a little it's a little tender because some of these people they can say some they, these people can say some stuff and you just have to be secure in who you are and you have to be comfortable um, in, in just living your life. Because these people will say anything. Um, these people will say anything. They'll pull up old stuff, you know, trying to ruin your current. It's, it's a lot. So you, you have to have tough skin to do reality. Yeah, that's why I admire uh, people that do any type of reality TV because... Uh... You know, to have people come inside your life and uh, you putting your personal business out for everybody to see on big platforms and people judging you in the comment sections, everybody following is getting bigger on Instagram and whatever other social medias they have. And you get, it's almost, it almost forces you to go back to how life was in the early 2000s where we didn't mm -hmm. have social media. Like you gotta, you gotta have a real balance. Cause I, I'm that's pretty sure that time. people saw me. And I was saying that was a time you had to be there. Yeah. Cause you, you had to uh, have a balance to where I'm pretty sure you probably do this, where you get so consumed mentally with the show that you might have to take a social media detox for about a couple of days. Be like, I'm not, 
looking at none of this stuff for a couple of days. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It can be a lot. It, it can be <laughs> a lot. Um, like I said, especially that episode two was was hard for me. Um, I was I was holding my friend accountable for something he did. And the people in the comments were like, oh, you're a trashy friend and you're annoying me. And, you know, is this the, is he going to be, you know, the reason for your storyline? And I was like, how is he going to be the reason for my storyline? And I'm the star. Please stop. You know, like, like, no, he's not going to be, you know, he's not even, he's not even part of my storyline. If anything, I was a supporter for his, but yeah. So you, in, in order to do reality, you have to really have thick skin and, and just, just, just know who you are, be secure in who you are, be secure. If you say something, stand on it. If you, if you do something, stand on it and make sure your reasoning behind it is valid. Because at that reunion, that's probably going to be the first thing that, it, that they're going to talk about. Um, just like I said, the scene from episode two, I know that's going to be a topic, topic of conversation um, at the reunion because it was a big moment for everybody in said comments. So. Yeah, so uh, three things and then we'll go into wrapping up the interview about the uh, the TV show. So, Okay. Just list some pros and cons to reality TV for anybody that's looking to get involved in this type of work. And uh, just list some advice that you would give somebody that you learned on your journey, you know, as far as, you know, as you started doing it more. And also just um, just some last remarks on the show, you know, what you want people to know about the show as far as like what y'all have going on now and what's the coming of future and things like that. Okay. Oh, that's the question. Okay, so yeah. pros and cons of reality TV. Pros. First of all, this interview, you know, thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, you get to talk to people from all over, you know, people who've never known you. Uh, they don't know your face. They don't know your name. They don't know anything about you. Um, you also get to expand your fan base. You get to expand to people who probably would have never gotten an opportunity to experience you otherwise. Um, just telling your story. You never know who you're inspiring. You never know who's looking at you. Um, another pro, the opportunities. You you never know what opportunities will come from uh, reality TV. Um, people think of reality TV as one thing and that's it. Um, but you have to live beyond that moment and you have to also think of what's next because that season is eventually going to come to an end. At some point, someone else is going to take your time slot. You know, so what's next? Um, cons, like I said, the the untamed humans living in the basement that watch uh, hamster porn, you know, they're going to attack you. They're going to say any and everything. The fact you're ugly, you look like you stink. You know, they're going to say it all and you have to have thick skin. Um, another con, expect the unexpected. That can either be a pro, but that could also be a con because, like I said, our show isn't scripted at all. You walk into a situation, you know, like I said, next episode, you walk into a situation, you think you're about to have a competitive night of bowling. And next thing you know, your hands and a bowling ball never come in contact because there's a huge fight that happens. And yeah, so expect the unexpected. Uh, expect for your emotions to be up and down. You're going to have your good days. You're going to have your bad days. And um, 
that camera is going to keep on rolling. So that's, I would say that's another kind. Um, but also another kind that I could think of just off top. I, say, I said it before, you, you have to live beyond reality TV. You have to live beyond reality TV, but you also have to consider other people other than you. Um, yes, you're the star on the show, but think about who you represent. You know, think about your family, think about your friends. You know, if you if you do work uh, a job that pays you a nice salary, uh, you know, or you get a nice paycheck every couple weeks, just remember, you know, this is a YouTube series. This is not, you know, something where we're contracted by a network or anything of the sort where, where I have guaranteed income. You know, just remember your life in that moment. So if you're considering doing YouTube reality, these are a couple of things, um, you know, that you just want to keep in mind. Um, our show, like I said, is 100% real. It's not scripted. The show is called On the Way Up Atlanta. It comes on every Wednesday night on YouTube at 9 p.m. You don't want to miss it because I'm going to be on your screen. <laughs> so you don't want to miss it. Um, I also have a brand new single out right now called Masturbation. It is on all streaming platforms. It's a song about self-love. We don't talk about it enough. If you don't know how to please you, nobody else will. And you damn sure can't teach nobody else. So whenever you can, touch yourself, love yourself, go get yourself an ice cream cone thereafter. Um, but yes, that's what we have going on. Uh, new episode next week. Uh, you guys will have episode four. And um, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be an event. It's gonna be an event. They talk about that all the time in the comments. They're just like y'all keep using that word event. Well, it was an organized thing, so it's an event. So, but yes, I appreciate you for having me here, uh, not just to talk about the show, but also talk about the new music and everything else therein. Oh yeah. Uh, so for all your fans out there. Uh... Just explain some things you like doing in your spare time when you're not doing a show or doing music. I sleep. Uh, when I am not doing music, I am sleeping. When I am not doing music, I'm at the gym. I'm eating. I am um, on the phone just bullshitting and using my time uh, and not in a responsible way. Um, I'm with my family and with my friends. I live a very simple life. Um I do not go out at all. I said I was going to go out more this year. I'm going to go out more this year. I'm going to keep that camera rolling and take more pictures. Um, but yeah, my life is very simple outside of music. That's what I do. Okay. So uh, short and long term goals. Uh, list your short and long term goals as far as your music career and uh, um, acting film career. Short term goals. Um, I have an album that's coming out this year. And um, I'm really excited to finally give it to y'all. Um, I've been working on it for a very long time and I just wanted to, to make sure it was right. So y'all have that later on this year. Um, I'm also going on tour, um, this year as a background vocalist. I can't say for who, um, but I, I am going on tour this year as a background vocalist, um, for a very well-known singer. Um, what else? Uh, acting short term. Like I said, we're going to finish this season. Um, I do hope to get into more reality. Um, but even if I do another scripted series, I would love to do another scripted series. That would be so much fun. And um, long-term goals, I want to be able to, if I could have my own cult, 
of fans um, who, regardless of what I put out, they're they're gonna they're gonna support it. I don't have to be signed to a major label if I'm able to support myself um, and support my family and go on vacation every single week if I want to. That's that's the goal. I think that's that's the goal. So just to overall have a soft life, um, have a soft life, stress free, but doing what I love, which is the music and film. I want to get married, maybe a kid, maybe a dog, <laughs> you know, but I, I definitely, I, I see, I see a soft, stress-free life. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you list some things that you got coming up for this year, but uh, do, do you have anything else you can think of for 2023 that you got coming up? You know what? The opportunities are endless, um, to be totally honest. There's some things I want to do. Um, I've written them down. And they're in my diary, but uh, there's some things I want to do. I definitely want to do a live show. I want to get back in the studio and 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 record something new. Um, I've been itching to do that. So those are just a few things. Okay. So um, how do you want people to perceive you? I want people to see me as the artist that says what other people are not saying, but it's able but it's able to translate and they're able to relate. Um, I want people to perceive me as the guy next door. I'm very approachable. Um, I want people to perceive me as the artist that they never know what they're gonna get. You never know if you're gonna you you never know what you're gonna get. You may come to my show and think I'm just gonna do the album cuts, but then you end up getting a whole throwback '80s and '90s mashup. I don't know for 20 minutes. I don't know. Like, you never know what you're going to get. Um, but I'm a person first. I'm a person first. And I try to I try to keep that in my music. I, I try to keep that level of transparency um, in my music and just let people know, hey, I'm a person too. Yes, I'm a man, but I go through stuff. Yes, your ex is trash. So is mine. We can relate. <laughs> we can do lunch. <laughs> you know, but... I, I definitely want people to to basically just it's come to me. Like you know, everybody goes to Mary J. Blige whenever they need a song they can relate to. Come to me. I got you. Absolutely. So uh, since you in two different fields, so we're going to do two different uh, Mount Rushmore. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> so give me your top five for your R&B and then give me your top five for whether it could be reality TV or acting or things like that. Oh, okay. So R&B, Whitney, yeah. Mariah, Brian McKnight, Luther, Mary. <laughs> okay. Oh, and then let me just say, let me also say, because I'm a music head and I listen to everybody, there are some people that I did not put on that list, so I'm just gonna say everybody else is 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 under that list. They can all stay at number five. We'll just have a list of fives. Um, but uh, as far as my favorite actors, um, love Denzel. I love Forrest Whitaker. I love Will Smith. I love uh, 
Hmm. I love Regina Hall. I love Regina Hall. And um, I love... Gosh, this is hard. Okay, we'll just say Nia Long. <laughs> we'll say Nia Long. It's so hard. And then everybody else underneath that. So we have a list of fives too. So there you go. It's so hard. It was it was really challenging for me. Because um, there's so many people that I look at um, that I pull inspiration from. So I couldn't just pick just one. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, uh, as far as me personally, you know, my R&B top five, uh, I would have to say, uh, I mean, I know he's going through some crazy stuff right now, but you know, take away from him as an artist, uh, R. Kelly, you know. Okay. But I like R. Kelly music. I like uh, like Usher. Um, let me see. Um, I like I like um. Uh, I like Ashanti. That's someone that they really got to me. Ashanti's cool. I like Beyonce too, but um, just some of her singles. Um, one of my favorite songs is by Beyonce. Uh, me, myself, and I. That's one of my favorite songs. I remember when that song came out. I was in chorus, and it was the first time I ever heard it. I was like, "Oh my god, I got to hear that again!" And at the time. It, it wasn't like it is now where we had like Spotify and Apple Music. Like at that time you had iTunes and I think you had to go to the actual website to stream it and you could only stream like 10 seconds of it. You could, YouTube wasn't even a thing then. So like it was so, like you to see the video, you had to wait for them to put the video on. Or if you wanted to hear the song in full, you had to go buy the album or the single. That was like the last real era in music. All right. So uh, yeah, <laughs> you had to be there. Absolutely. So uh, closing remarks, man. Anything else you want to tell the people as far as what you got going with music and uh, the show on the way up Atlanta, and uh, let people know how they can find you on social media and also find the show on uh, social media and things like that. Well, like I said earlier, um, you definitely will see me every single week on every single episode of this season of On the Way Up Atlanta. It comes on YouTube every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Um, also, like I said, I have new music. My single Masturbation is out right now on all streaming platforms. You can hear it anywhere. Um, my album, My Life, A Soul Without a Heart, will be out later on this year. And... Um, like I said, I'm I'm just I'm open to the further opportunities or the future opportunities um, that are not only going to come from this show, but just from other entities as well. We're going to put that out there into the atmosphere. Um, but you can find me on all streaming or on all social media uh, under the name DJ. That's D I I J A I the singer, um, and I will appear um, and connect with me. Like I said, I'm always I'm always open for new cousins. And um, you can slide in my DM and say, hey, I heard this interview. We're rooting for you. I'll be there. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast. And, you know, anytime you want to come on, whether it be about the show, uh, your music career, or uh, real topics. You know, I do real topics, too, like child support, relationships. Uh, oh, listen, bring me on that relationship panel. We we can talk. I can put you on. I can put I can tell the people some stuff. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Some people, they've been wanting me to do a panel on sticky topics where people just talk about just X-rated stuff. People have been telling me that here in person. So I'm out. We like sticky topics. I mean, listen, I have a song called Masturbation. It's out right now on all streams. <laughs> on all streaming platforms go get that so listen it's a conversation i'm all for taking something that is uncomfortable and putting it in your face um because that i mean other than uh, other than that there's no way that we're going to be able to normalize it and masturbation is a real thing we all do it we all do it if you don't do it there's cause for concern <laughs> but we all do it. So, I mean, it's a thing. So I don't know why it's such a taboo thing, but masturbation, it's a word. Look it up. It's a real thing. It happens. It's a verb. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, man. And uh, hopefully in the future, man, we probably could do a, because uh, I did a group interview about two I think it was about two or three weeks ago with a whole bunch of authors. They all co-authored on a, on a book, and I had Not- six people at the same time. So uh, maybe other people on the show or some of the producers might want to come on, get a opinion on the show, and y'all just yes off each other and just talk about the current state of the show and things like that. So let's set that up we can definitely have uh as the season progresses like i said you you let us know when you want us to come back we will come back um because i'm sure at that time we'll have a lot more to discuss <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely man you know uh, you just let, let me know you know we could work around you know i'm free on fridays and saturdays so you know that uh that, that would be more uh ideal but i could do the afternoons on any day so Okay, we can definitely set that up. And um, like I said, I'll definitely send it over by the cast and just see who's interested in coming on and we'll we'll do the interview. We'll make it happen. Okay, man. I appreciate the show. I'm uh I mean appreciate uh you coming on the show and uh I'm gonna keep up with the show, man. You know, that's some some more I uh entertaining stuff I can watch besides love and hip hop. <laughs> it's it's about to heat up this is this is where it starts to get good it was good the first three episodes but it's about to get good now so you don't want to miss it oh yeah absolutely man i need everybody to go rock with uh dj the singer on all streaming platforms go stream his music go follow him on instagram everybody go subscribe to the uh his youtube channel and also the youtube channel for the show on only way up to Atlanta, you know, keep up with it. And, uh, you know, um, I know everybody had their favorite shows on Netflix and Amazon and, you know, stuff that you just like to look at on, on a normal week, but, you know, got to normalize supporting people that we could touch, you know, ain't that wrong. We're watching something new, you know, um, cause all these other shows that we watch, they got a big machine behind them, whether it be VH1 or BET or whatever, you you into watching so uh good to support someone that's independent and um just help them uh come up too you know we always uh big on supporting people they really don't need the support because we're gonna see it whether we like it or not because they got that machine behind them so Mm -hmm. so uh everybody go support the show uh, if you like reality TV, you know, it's going to definitely fit you. You know, if you like looked at all the love and hip hops and all the cities or the 
Real Housewives or basketball wise or any shows like that, you know. This is where you want to be. <laughs> it's where you want to be because we bring it and it's real and unscripted and raw and uncut. So you don't want to. Well, yeah, man, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. And, you know, my line's always open, man. You can uh, hit me whenever you want to come back on and uh, we get we can set it up. Most definitely. Thank you so much for having me. And you all have a good night. All right, you too. All right, now.